The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium's Sports Betting Podcast. Happy Monday. Hopefully the weekend bets went well for everybody. He's Nate Jacobson, the professor. I'm Ben Wittenstein. Talking everything bets. Looking forward to the week ahead. Uh, looking back at this past weekend, Nate, because it was good. We're back. The podcast is back. We did not lose a best bet this weekend. Yeah, it was a very good weekend for me. I, a little bit tough, I guess, in the later uh, NFL games with the teaser, with the Rams going down, and then the 49ers, really no showing. But we'll we'll get to that in grievances. But other than that, really no complaints. Very good college football day. I stuck to my guns. I stuck into my process with uh, North Carolina, getting a little bit lucky there, and then Purdue, a pretty easy cover, at least, against Michigan State. So happy it all worked out, and I have a little bit of confidence as we kind of get into the home stretch of college football. Whenever the college football playoff ranking is going on, I feel like the outlook of the sport completely changes because you're not relying on the AP poll, and we kind of know what teams need to do or we think we know what the teams need to do. The committee is a little bit inconsistent. But I think that maybe there'll be some opportunities down the line. As looking early into the week, there looks like some maybe some college football games I like, but pretty rough for the NFL Week 10. I don't know how many bets I'll have on that with a lot of games kind of closely lined. And then after what we saw yesterday in the NFL, it's one of those weeks where you kind of have to be cautious because yeah. it was proof that we truly know nothing. Even if I had a decent week betting the NFL, betting some underdogs at plus prices, it was it was quite a bloodbath if you are uh, – a money line parlay favorite player or a, a teaser player, just like betting the favorites because the favorites were so good a few weeks ago. And I'm pretty sure the sports books cleaned up yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, people are not happy with the, a lot of the results, a lot of the favorites just losing outright. And uh, I got burned by that last Sunday, so I treaded a little bit more carefully this week when we made two bets. Luckily, they both hit, but I think the uh the strategy for me going forward Nate is do not go crazy with NFL bets on Sunday just pick and choose your spots pick maybe 3 games that you really feel good about and stick with those don't don't go 5 6 7 game bets crazy cuz the way the NFL is you're you're just not going to come out positive that way and don't start parlaying like 3 to five teams just to win the game on the money line as we saw yesterday there was yeah many outright upsets and the early window six of the eight underdogs cover the spread five outright winners and then yesterday with the cardinals beating the 49ers with colt mccoy starting closing plus five and a half and then the titans on sunday night football knocking whatever maybe potential remaining teasers or uh money line parlays so be very careful i mean i think that's one of the the beauties of having legal betting in the state we're in and a lot of states around the country is you can always jump in live where if you do like a favorite, instead of betting them and tying them up with a bunch of legs throughout the day, if they go down 7 nothing and you still like them, maybe back them in play. I know that would have definitely worked with the Baltimore Ravens yesterday 
as the Minnesota Vikings had two 14 point leads and still failed to win the game and <laughs> dropping to three and five. So a little bit upset about the Vikings, a team I bet over eight and a half wins before the year feel like they could easily have five or six wins this season, but uh, we're sitting at three and five and underdogs against the chargers next week. Truly, truly crazy. The, uh, that chargers game though, for best bet, well, a little bit of a sweat for me, but listen, you got your North Carolina minus two and a half. You got your Purdue plus three, two and oh on the weekend after uh, quite the losing streak in October, November, Nate, you are back. You're back to yourself undefeated in the month of November. So I think that's the mindset going forward. The Texas A&M Auburn under hit chargers. And then we had our first push of the season. Hawaii plus seven. Yeah. Lost to San Diego State by seven points. And I was kind of amazed. All the best bets that we've had since week zero of college football, this was our first first push. Yeah, it was a game I had some interest in, especially after hitting the uh, college football money line parlay I gave out that paid out mm-hmm. about 18 to one with Memphis. I bet that after the Memphis quarterback, Kennegan, was ruled in. And then I paired them with TCU and Purdue in the afternoon, and that hit with TCU covering uh, every number plus seven and a half and winning outright against Baylor, who I thought was in a bad spot. It wasn't easy for sure, but TCU came through and then Purdue with that win. So I did put some money on Hawaii's money line, hoping to maybe score a nice, a big win on Saturday. It's still (laughs) a big win, but I was, I was a little bit greedy. I would say back in the rainbow warriors, but I thought that was a decent best bet. San Diego state doesn't have the offense to, laying that many points in my opinion and it was kind of a it was a weird game I actually watched a decent amount of it before falling asleep and uh San Diego State scoring on a fake field goal kind of turned the game so yeah uh, that was unfortunate but it was still a very good Saturday and then Sunday brunch time winner very easy uh they've been very easy wins the last few weeks so Giants Panthers 5-3 at halftime Browns Steelers 3-3 at halftime last week and then uh, this week, it was 3 nothing up until the final seconds of the first half when the Falcons then scored a touchdown to go up 10 nothing. And it's always nice to get the first half under, especially when the full game goes over and it ends up sailing over because of a crazy fourth quarter with the Saints mounting the comeback and then the Falcons scoring the last second field goal. Yeah, that was uh, – I, I always appreciate a good brunch time winner under hitting. Always a good thing to, to happen for the podcast. Um, and before, cause we did have, I mean, we could say the chargers were a sweat. At least they were a sweat for me, but we did have an even bigger sweat of the week, but let's just update the records before we do that for the show. Um, I'm 19 and 15. You are 14 and 13 and the show altogether, 33 and 28. The show is holding a 54% win percentage. So still pretty good. Still looking fine. Still over 50% in that good mid fifties range. Um, my NBA best bets are three and two. I don't have any NBA best bets today, but I do have some leans. Um, and I should have made them best bets on Friday, Nate, because they went three and oh for my NBA leans. Um, but I do have some more today. But sweat of the week, Air Force Army. We talked about this under, under 37 and a half. And I said it was a principal play. You just have to do service academy unders. And it was looking really good. Halftime of this game was zero zero. Yeah, zero zero at halftime. It was the early game before even it was like kicked off thirty minutes before the normal uh, noon games Eastern time. Is this game actually was played in Arlington, Texas, where the Texas Rangers play? I think I said last week this game was at Army, but it was in Arlington, Texas. I think in celebration of Veterans Day coming up this week. 
um, zero zero at halftime. And I know that that total was super low and a lot of the math said that the over had value, but the trends definitely pointed to the under based on service academies always playing low scoring games because they run the ball and the defenses know it's coming and they see it in practice every day. So zero zero at halftime looked like another genius call. And then it got a little <laughs> bit crazy. Both teams decided to start throwing the ball and it, yeah. throwing the ball was working for them. Army was up thir- uh, 14 to three going into the fourth quarter. Then Air Force scores. They get the two point conversion and then they tie the game at 14 with 23 seconds left. So, of course, overtime. And I, oh, at that point, God. I was thinking, like, this could be a situation if it gets to the third overtime where we're just saying triple option from the two yard line <laughs> back and forth with the new overtime rules. That didn't end up happening is Army ended up scoring to make it 21 to 14. So at that point, you really need a stop to keep the under. And sure enough, Army did get the stop, win the game, stays under the total despite the overtime. So uh, second Air, uh, military or service academy game of the year, and it goes under. And I know the Army-Navy game, I think, has gone under like 15 straight years. And I don't know. They're probably going to have to set that total at like – in the low 30s, I, I'm not uh, yeah. because who is going to be betting over? They have to go like so far away from like the math models because the trends are so strong in this game. I'm I'm praying and waiting, Nate, for a high <laughs> 20s total to come in one of these years for a Surface Academy game. I'm just waiting for it to happen and seeing how long it stays at like 29 and a half or something like that. Yeah, and I mean, with Navy's Navy is not a good team this year. I know that their yeah. offense was is struggling or was struggling early in the year, so we might actually see that. But we also might see Army as, you know, touchdown favorite. I'm not sure exactly. I don't want to quote me on that, but I could see a pretty crazy line when we get to that game, which I I believe is the weekend after conference championship weeks. They usually play it on their own weekend. Uh, not sure if they're doing it that year, but we'll talk about that. Uh, in December because we'll we'll be fascinated by the total and the point spread in that one. <laughs> All right, before we do the opening bell and looking at some of these college football opening lines and some NFL opening lines, we did air some grievances, learn some lessons from this weekend, and you do just have one bullet point that I don't think we mentioned yet, and it is simply Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think the big takeaway was just the underdogs um, in terms of winning outright. I mean, who would have thought that the Broncos would – beat the Cowboys, have a 30 nothing lead, and then win by a lot. I know the Cowboys scored two touchdowns in, in garbage time, but the, the Broncos dominated that game. And then the Bills losing 9-6 to to the Jaguars. The Bills closing as a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. The Falcons beating the Saints, which was a line move I never really understood. I didn't think Trevor Simeon should have been a touchdown favorite against mm-hmm. a team like the Falcons, who's – not a good team, but they're not one of the worst teams in the NFL. And then in later in the day, the Cardinals beating the 49ers in a game the 49ers needed to win. And it got that was a huge win for Arizona because later in the night, the Titans pull off an upset against the Rams. So for NFC West purposes, the Cardinals now have a game lead in the standings. Plus, they have the head-to-head tiebreaker right now because they won in L.A. So going into the day, I thought the Rams were in a great position in the NFC West with the Cardinals like nearly a six-point underdog and the Rams as nearly a touchdown favorite to kind of flip things in the NFC West and the NFC playoff picture. So the huge NFC West ramifications. But the true grievance is Kyle Shanahan (laughs) and the San Francisco 49ers 
yeah. a team that I bet early in the week at a plus price on the money line, and they go off minus 250 on the money line, five and a half, six point favorite after we got the news. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins were inactive, and just a complete no show, as I mentioned, from the 49ers at home in a must win game because you win that game and you get to four and four if you're the 49ers with the Rams on deck. And the schedule kind of eases up towards the end of the season. And if you look at the NFC playoff picture, the Saints at five and three are the sixth seed. The Falcons are four and four, and they're the seventh seed. So they'd be very, I mean, they're still alive, I guess, for the playoffs, but winning that game, it totally flips the season around for the 49ers, and they completely no showed. And the thing that really got me in the game was when down 24 nothing after some unfortunate fumbles and not being able to stop Colt McCoy. The 49ers get on the board to make it 24 to 6 midway through the third quarter, and Kyle Shanahan decides to kick the extra point to make a three possession game a three possession yeah. game. And I think just examples like that just show that he's just, I don't know what it is, but if he's not interested or just out of it or is so infatuated with hopefully getting Trey Lance in because he give, gave up on Jimmy Garoppolo. But it, it's pretty disappointing for the 49ers' sake, a team that had high hopes going into the season to bounce back after going through all the injuries last year off the Super Bowl year. And now they're 3-5, and five, staring the Rams in the face, a Rams team that will definitely be looking to bounce back after a pretty poor showing on Sunday Night Football next Monday night in Santa Clara. So not sure exactly what to make of the 49ers, but that was – an embarrassing performance, especially because I thought we'd be talking about how embarrassing the Cowboys and Bills look. But given the situation and how big of a game it was, the 49ers were definitely by far the most embarrassing performance of the weekend for me. And maybe it's because I bet on them, but I think a lot of people would say the same thing. Yeah, I, 100%. It seems, you know, people in Chicago are always like, does Matt Nagy actually like Justin Fields? Is he, you know, calling plays to make sure Justin Fields is – actually getting the most of out of his abilities. And I, I don't know if you could say the same thing about Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, but it does seem like Shanahan really wants Trey Lance to be his quarterback. And he knows the, the powers that be above him probably want him to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. So he kind of has to deal with that. But it, it does seem very odd that these, the 49ers team just sometimes really struggle on offense and sometimes just don't seem to have the correct game plan. And against the Cardinals team, like you said, I mean, they were without their two best players, and they beat them 31 to 17. Like that should not happen. Yeah. yeah, and it really wasn't that close. And and four weeks ago, five weeks ago, it was week five when the 49ers went to Arizona, and they were my best bet of the week. And I think I ran to the podcast Monday morning about Kyle Shanahan being yep. bad that game. But at least in that game, the 49ers outplayed the Cardinals. They just got a little bit unlucky with fourth down conversions and not being able to score at the goal line. But this, they were completely outclassed by Cliff Kingsbury, Colt McCoy, Christian Kirk, James Conner. So it wasn't even like the – I mean, Kingsbury's done a good job. I'll have to give him credit because I haven't given him much credit in his NFL coaching career. But it was no Kyler Murray, and it was no DeAndre Hopkins, and the Arizona offense still was able to do what they wanted against the 49ers defense that contained Kyler in the first meeting this season. If you are getting outclassed by Colt McCoy in the year 2021, that is that's a big issue that you really need to look at. Um, let's do uh, let's do opening bell, taking a look at some of these college football opening lines. Not, not a ton of 
drastic movement in some of these, but there was three that we wanted to highlight. The first one, uh, Michigan at Penn State, number seven, Michigan at Penn State. Penn State opened at minus one, moved to minus two, and now as we record um, about Monday at noon, that line is at a pick for Michigan and Penn State. Texas A&M, Ole Miss, a uh, teens battle, number 14, number 16, Ole Miss coming off that win against Liberty. Uh, that line opened on Sunday, Texas A&M minus one, and is now Texas A&M minus two and a half. So the Aggies getting some money uh, early on in the week. And finally, the other game we wanted to look at, North Carolina State at Wake Forest. And Wake Forest opened at minus two. That moved to minus three, and now that's back to Wake Forest uh, as a two-point favorite. So, Nate, out of Michigan, Penn State, A&M, and Ole Miss, NC State, and Wake Forest. So what are some intriguing lines for you in this? Is there anything that really intrigues you early on in the week? Yeah, early on, I, I kind of lean Penn State. I thought the opener minus one and then the initial move to minus two was correct, and now we're back at a pick em. I just don't know really what Michigan is. I think we're going to get Penn State's best effort. Penn State has run into some unlucky circumstances i'd say this year when losing sean clifford at iowa in a game that was i believe number two against number three at a time and then they lose to illinois but clifford probably not 100 percent. and then they played ohio state last week and i actually thought penn state looked pretty good but they had a turnover at midfield that resulted in ohio state scoop and score and that kind of flipped the game so i kind of like penn state just not really trusting michigan and Cade mcnamara on the road to have success, although they did play well against Michigan State. But then how good is that win against Michigan State after or lost to Michigan State when Michigan State loses at on the road to Purdue? So kind of lean Penn State. Maybe a game we'll talk about Wednesday. Uh, in terms of Ole Miss a and I want to check out what the Ole Miss injury report looks like. I know they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. They've also played a gauntlet of a schedule where we've talked about where we talked about it two weeks ago, I think, when they had a go to Auburn after four really tough games. And then they yep. played Liberty in the Hugh Freeze revenge game. So that was not just like a normal non-conference game. And now you're hosting Texas A&M, a Texas A&M that seems to be hitting their stride, especially defensively. And Texas A&M, a lot to play for. If Alabama somehow loses another game, then A&M would have the tiebreaker over Alabama if they went out. So A&M with an outside chance of making the SEC title game. So a lot to play for there. And then North Carolina State, Wake Forest. I know Wake Forest number nine as we speak, but that will change when the committee has their new rankings on Tuesday night coming off that tough loss against North Carolina where they're up 18 in the second half. Not really sure what we're going to get from Wake Forest off that loss, kind of knowing that any chance of making the college football playoff, those goals are crushed or dream is crushed. North Carolina State, a team that's kind of been up and down this season. They got the win against Florida State, a Florida State that was apparently stricken with the flu bug, so maybe don't read too much into that win by the Wolfpack. But big game for them um, to go to Wake Forest. And if I had to pick a side at this point, I'd probably say North Carolina State because I think the situation's kind of tough and not sure what we're going to get from Wake Forest off that pretty disappointing loss when there was a lot of hype for them because they were number nine in the initial college football ranking. Yeah, I think the game that intrigues me the most, and I just can't get a, a read on NC State. I'll be honest. I we I thought I did a really good job early on in the season in reading NC State, but as the season's gone on, they've just been a little bit more unpredictable to me. And, and especially against this Wake Forest team, like you don't know if this is going to be one of those hangover letdown games for them because they were playing so well against North Carolina and they lose that game. That could just be a huge disappointment for them. And who knows what the committee is going to rank them. I'm sure they're not going to be high on Wake Forest because we know 
the committee loves kind of the bigger brand name teams. So who knows where they're going to be ranked and what that's going to do to morale. So that's going to be a really tough game. And the fact that the line is under a field goal is, is intriguing. So I may stay away just to kind of see what the line movement is for that one. Um, but I, I might, I think the, out of all these games, Michigan, I think is the team I may bet on. If they, if that line goes back to Penn State as the favorite, Nate, I, I would bet Michigan as an underdog on the road in Penn State. It's a tough environment, but I'm starting to really believe in Michigan, uh, which I believe it's one of the dumbest uh, things I've ever said, but I'm starting to believe in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, we saw what. Well, yeah, I, we'll 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 talk about that game Wednesday. Let's let's bookmark yeah. that and circle back and see where that line goes because I don't want to say too something that uh something that I don't, might not actually believe in. I I need a little more time to think about that <laughs> game. Yeah, Wednesday will be interesting. We'll get a better look, a better picture of these three games. Um, but just some early line movement for those who are maybe looking early on in the week to make some bets. NFL, market watch. Uh, we have a couple games in the NFL for Week 10. Some small line movements here and there um, for the look-ahead numbers. Browns at the Patriots in Foxborough. The Browns went from a three-point underdog to now plus one-and-a-half against the Patriots. Um, and the Eagles at the Broncos. The Broncos minus one-and-a-half to now a three-point favorite over the Eagles um, after their loss on Sunday. So Brown's uh, a little bit of a shorter underdog under a field goal under that important number of three against the Patriots, Nate. Yeah, that line makes a lot of sense just based on the Browns performance against the Bengals in a, a situation where the point spread was similar. Brown's offense definitely looks a lot better without Odell Beckham Jr. in the fold, which if you look at last year when he got hurt, Baker Mayfield really started to cook. So think that their Browns might be able to turn the corner here. And the Patriots, they did beat Sam Darnold and the Panthers in a game I watched closely uh, yesterday, 24-6. to But Darnold having three interceptions on three straight drives in the second half, including a pick six, kind of killed that. So Patriots didn't have to do much yesterday in terms of Matt Jones just being a game manager and did that well enough, and they were able to run the ball. I think it's a much different test against the Browns team. Both teams are five and four. This is big in terms of AFC playoff uh, consequences and implications. So I think the Browns make sense why the money has come on them early in the week. If they'd stay at one and a half, I would look to tease them up to seven and a half because I could see this game being very closely played where one team wins by less than a possession. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it just... They, they didn't have people's respect coming into Sunday, and I think they, they gained that back. And people just didn't know what to expect, right, with the Odell Beckham, Beckham issue and how the team would respond to that, how Baker and everything would. So I think they, they got the attention of betters back across the country, clearly with the line movement. And then the Broncos, I mean, again, I bet against the Eagles on Sunday. I, I don't think they are a good team. Their offense is unreliable. Their defense is meh. Um, yeah. So... Going against a Broncos team in Denver, um, now they're a field goal underdog. I, it makes sense that the line movement went in favor of Denver. Yeah, I was kind of laughing because it seems like every week money comes on the Eagles late in the week. It makes sense. This week it came, this past week against the Chargers, it came on the Eagles all week where I think it was like Tuesday morning when the Chargers were like two and a half, maybe trending to minus three, which I thought that where the line would go. The Eagles take a wave of money to plus one, and then I believe at some spots pick them yesterday it closes at. Yeah. So I think that's something maybe it's a little bit more of a downgrade on the Chargers, but I know like professionals have been betting the Eagles every week, bet them down to a pick them against the Raiders two weeks or three weeks ago, and then they took the money against the Lions two weeks ago. 
So kind of not surprising maybe to see the Broncos get a little bit of an uptick off the of the Cowboys win. Maybe now that they're five and three, they have some new goals for the season and the playoffs are in reach for them. At least they think that internally. But at the end of the day, if the Eagles are taking money every week, I don't see why they're not going to take money as underdogs against a Broncos team yeah. with Teddy Bridgewater as a favorite. So that plus three right now, I don't think it's going to last too long. I could see the Eagles going down two and a half, two, and being a, an attractive teaser leg in a game with a very low total in Denver on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I, I'm always for fading the Eagles, and they burned me early on in the season, so... I'm all for that, Nate. I'm, I'm I'm getting on the Broncos train probably by by Friday. I might have the Broncos, depending on where that number is. If it's if it goes above a field goal, I may hold off. But if it's stays in that field goal range, if you like the Broncos, obviously based on the betting trends of the last month, five weeks, wait as long as possible. I think this is yeah. like I mentioned, the Eagles. I think are going to take money eventually, unless there's some significant injury to a player or cluster injuries at a specific position. But I, I don't think there was anything to report too much in terms of injuries in the NFL other than some some minor, maybe quarterback stuff. Monday night football tonight. Chicago Bears at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers minus seven. That total is uh, is low at 40. And we know how much both of these offenses struggle. So it makes sense that the total is uh, hovering around that 40-point mark. I um obviously we're in Chicago, so we follow the Bears. We we know the Bears inside and out. Um, seven point underdogs though against the Steelers. It's it's always tough to go to Pittsburgh and play tough environment, but that Steelers team, Nate, has inspired zero confidence in me, and I I really don't know if they should be a touchdown favorite over this Bears team. Yeah, I think there's a lot of question marks with the Steelers in general. But one thing we know is when they're underdogs, look to back them. When they're big favorites, look to fade them. It's always been that way with Mike Tomlin as their head coach, where when it's kind of they're the underdog or the the hunter that Mike Tomlin motivates the players and they play their best football. But there's been so many examples where they go on the road back in like the Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown days where and they were big favorites and Big Ben was near his prime where they would be like seven-point favorites on the road and they'd end up losing and cost themselves home field advantage in the AFC and then lose to the Patriots eventually. So now it's a little bit of a different Steelers team. They're not as explosive offensively. Big Ben is older. The offensive line isn't as good. But we've seen twice this season when they have been big favorites, five-and-a-half-point favorites in Week 2 against the Raiders. And then a few weeks ago they were five-and-a-half-point favorite against Geno Smith and the Seahawks on a Sunday night. They ended up losing to the Raiders outright, and then they beat the Seahawks in Geno Smith's first start only by three points in a game that also had a low total and stayed well under. So it's kind of a similar situation where now they're a seven-point favorite. The total's even lower. It was uh, six earlier in the week, and at six, I kind of consider the Bears for contest. But then the Bears' injury report, not as positive as what we thought especially with Khalil Mack being ruled out for this game. When he was ruled out on Saturday, we saw this line get up to six and a half and to seven. And now we're seeing some uh, six and a half get back down and also seven in some spots. So check to get the best number, depending on when you listen to this. But at this point, Bears plus seven would be the only way to look at it. I almost used them in the contest at plus six. Just missed the cut as I tweeted out on Sunday morning for my contest picks. But at set plus seven, Bears will be a small bet for me. Um, yeah, and I mean, pretty simple. Steelers, big favorite, game with a low total. 
think the underdog has a chance to at least keep the game close, especially if Justin Fields can kind of build off that impressive performance he had last week against the 49ers. Yeah, I would. Um, I, I do like if it gets plus seven, if that stays that way before kickoff, I do like the Bears at plus seven. I do kind of like the over as well. Uh, I took the Bears team total over last week against 49ers and, and that hit. I, I just think that the, uh, and I know, I know this year's defense is good and, and Justin Fields on the road. I don't know how much you can trust him in, in that harsh environment, but 40 and a half low. That's, that's a, that's a low total. Um, so if I had a lean, I'd lean the over. And then if I'm doing a player prop, Nate, um, we don't do a ton of player props on the show, but this is just really fading a player, or I guess going with a player that has had a poor season and this week specifically has had a lot of talk about him at wide receiver, and that's Allen Robinson. His receiving yard total is at 38 and a half, um, which is low because he's had a not a great season, and Justin Fields doesn't seem to have the chemistry with Allen Robinson that he has with his other receivers. But especially with all the talk about his play this week, it's one of those things where it's like I kind of expect him to be involved a little bit more just because the talk has been there in the media, that the, the talk has been there with the players. So if I'm doing any player prop, it would probably be Allen Robinson over 38.5 receiving yards. Um, and then the Bears plus seven would be my two strong plays. And if you're a totals person, that's the over for me. But you don't, you don't seem to be in favor of the over. I just think the way these teams are built doesn't seem like points are, are going to yeah. be flowing in Pittsburgh. Uh, just I, check yeah, the weather. We, Mid-40s. Uh, not too much of a win, so I guess the weather doesn't really have an impact. But I think with these two teams, there's always a chance that there could be turnovers that lead to short fields. I think one of the concerns with backing the Bears at plus seven and why it's just a small play for me is I'm not sure how their offensive line is going to hold up on the road against the Steelers' pass rush, a pass rush yeah. that was able to get to Baker Mayfield and the Browns were at home last week and have a good offensive line, at least on paper. The Bears, not a good offensive line on paper, and they're not performing well. So um, there's definitely some concern about the Bears um, backing them in terms of you're not knowing what you're going to get from Justin Fields. He's a high-variance player, but at the same time, because he's a high-variance player, it wouldn't shock me if the Bears are close throughout this game with a shot to win at the end. Yep, and if you expect them to get pressured a lot and maybe hit his uh, his rushing yards prop, the lowest that I see is 37 and a half. Um, which is it's a it's a little seemingly high, but again, you said it, Nate. I mean, when a quarterback like him is going to get pressured consistently from a, a good defensive line with a bad offensive line, he uh, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to run. So thirty-seven and a half, thirty-eight, probably a, a pretty good rushing yards number. If you're interested in another prop, maybe hit the over um, on his rushing yards. Uh, before we go, NBA leans. These aren't NBA best bets for me, just some leans for tonight. And again, it always comes with the disclaimer for NBA games. Check the injury report an hour, a half an hour before the game starts because that is when they announce all of the injuries, who's going to be in, who's going to be out. It uh, it comes pretty close to tip-off, so just be aware of that. But my three NBA leans, Nate, Knicks plus one. They came through against the Bucks on Friday as a four-and-a-half-point underdog. They won that game. Um, I just I, I think this is a great opportunity to fade the 76ers who have had a really good run. They're one of the hottest teams in the East. Um, they're a one point favorite at home against the Knicks. I think the Knicks can definitely win this game. So if you don't want a plus one, just just take the money line as well, because um, you're probably going to get a little better bargain for that. Uh, the Heat minus one and a half against the Nuggets in Denver. I think this line is a bit low because it is in Denver and the teams sometimes struggle with the altitude in Denver, but I think the Heat, especially coming off a really tough loss, 
um, yesterday. I, I think they should win this game. They're a good enough team to win this game. And I'm usually on the Nuggets train, but they have they have certainly been disappointing. They have some holes in that team. Michael Porter Jr. seems that he's not having a good season. His back is seemingly hurt. They're checking that out. So I think the Heat getting one and a half here, or leaning one and a half here, I think this is a, a good play for the Miami Heat on the road. And then my least uh, favorable play, but a, a play that I kind of like, not super into it, but Hawks Warriors under 222. Hawks games usually go under. They're a very slow-paced team. Uh, the Warriors at home, they, they can score a lot, but I think this Hawks defense, they've they've had an up-and-down season, but I like the way that they can play against the Warriors. I think they match up pretty well against them. So under 222 in Hawks and Warriors, minus 1.5 for the Heat against the Nuggets, and then a Knicks plus 1 against uh, Philly. So those are my uh, NBA plays, Nate. NBA leans, not best bets. For sure. Maybe I'll uh, I'll look through and maybe tail one of them closer to game time when we get some injury news. And yep. also want to mention college basketball starts tomorrow. Yes. Uh, I saw some lines up for the Champions Classic with Kansas, a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Michigan State. feel like Kansas has to be the play there just because I feel like they'll have a decent bounce back year after pretty disappointing last year. And then Kentucky-Duke is the later game, both games at Madison Square Garden, and Duke a one-point favorite currently, so basically a coin flip. Uh, we were talking before the show how college basketball was maybe something we'll, we'll dabble in a little bit. It's a fun sport to bet, but a little more fun to bet in conference play and as we get closer to the postseason for March Madness. So uh, maybe we'll throw in some plays here and there, but when we continue the show after football season or in the January in the playoffs, I'm sure we'll have some bigger Friday shows where we go through some of the uh, big games in college buckets. Yeah, no, that'll be exciting. We'll have to, uh, we were talking before the show, we got to study up a little bit on, uh, on some college basketball. Read Jeff Goodman. If you want to learn some college basketball, he's got a good article on watchstadium.com today. So we're going to be reading Jeff Goodman. You should read Jeff Goodman. Uh, He knows, he knows his stuff about college basketball. I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, but we will uh, end the show here. We will be back Wednesday with uh, maybe some best bets here and there, at least go deeper into some of these college football games that we were talking about today and maybe get them a little bit more clarity on the NFL as well. But until then, good luck on Monday Night Football. Um, good luck with the NBA tonight, and we'll be back here on Wednesday. 